Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Hello, welcome to Okay-ish. I am so, so excited because I have very special guests on with me today, and this is so great. We are meeting today, we're talking today to Cassandra Musumichi and Andrea Rockefeller. They are two of the three owners of Peace Project. The third owner is Caitlin Halloran. They dreamed up the idea of Peace Project for a while, and it actually became a real living, breathing business during the pandemic. So they saw the desperate need for services in the community and had to take action. They specialize in working with children, adolescents, and young adults. Their mission is to bring hope to each family they serve through a person-centered and collaborative approach, as well as providing people with tangible tools that can be implemented in all areas of life. Um, They believe that everyone's needs are unique and that the entire picture matters. And I'm so excited to have them with me here today to talk about everything they do because you guys, they're way smarter than I am and they're going to have so much good things to say. So welcome, Cassandra and Andrea. Thank you. We are so excited to be (laughs) here. Thank you for being here. Before we get started, we have to take a quick break. is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off of your plate. You can just focus on creating engaging content while they focus on the recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 different platforms. So easy, log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end, ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, the producer of this podcast, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. All right. So now that we're in it, tell... Like, just tell me exactly, like, I know you work a lot with children, but you also do adults. Like, tell me about how the three of you got together, came to develop this business. You opened a business during a pandemic, which is amazing. What happened with that? How did that all work? Yeah, so the three of us actually worked together prior to starting Peace Project at an agency under OPWDD. So we worked together as behavior intervention specialists before Peace Project even existed. And it's safe to say all three of us kind of had the same passion and the same values and things like that. And during the pandemic, 
it was just, we realized that so many people needed services in our community. Like, it hit and it hit uh, hard. Yeah. Before and you go on, can you explain what OPWDD is? Office of People with Developmental Disabilities. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that incorporates there's an Office of Mental Health and then OPWDD. Yeah. Developmental Disabilities primarily focuses on people on the autism spectrum and uh, with those types of disabilities rather than with mental health, even though they're often related and overlap. Yep, absolutely. So it was working a lot with individuals with intellectual disabilities, autism spectrum disorder, and definitely there was a lot of comorbid absolutely, diagnoses absolutely. there Absolutely. I just want to explain for everyone because I feel like sometimes I use acronyms and I'm like, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for that. That's helpful. So yeah, we we all were working together and we knew that we had to do something. Um, all three of us are licensed mental health counselors, so our hands were a little tied in what we were previously doing. We weren't really able to provide that one-on-one therapy like we we had wanted to. So we got together and we were like, what can we do? And we did it. That's incredible. So how long did you do both of them part-time? Yeah, no, I think I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, we did it. We did it for a few months and um then we knew that that's kind of where our hearts were and where we needed to be full-time. That is so incredible. So did you mostly grow your business through Instagram? Like how did you get the word out? Sort of. I mean, I think it was a combination of things. Like Andrea had mentioned, we started Instagram because we just wanted a platform to help educate the community, right? Like, obviously, Instagram isn't one-on-one therapy. It's not a substitute, but we just wanted to help. And after after actually getting into it, I think Instagram definitely helped us a lot. Um, but different platforms like Psychology Today and word of mouth and things like that were really beneficial, too. Well, it just shows the need. If, like, you guys just, like, started this, the three of you, right? So you're filling three people's caseloads and you were able to do it, it sounds pretty seamlessly. It just shows how many people are out there struggling, not knowing like where to get the help or what to get the help or anything. Yeah, it was pretty sad to see some of the people that would reach out, not even knowing that, you know, there were certain opportunities for them. And even now it's like, there's nobody taking new clients. There's nobody accepting their insurance. It's so hard for people. But we definitely saw when we started, we were all about kids, like a thousand percent kids with autism. This is where this is where we're at. And then throughout the pandemic, we're like, wait a second, working with teens is so cool, (laughs) which I honestly thought I would hate. (laughs) Like I thought I would hate it. And we've really started loving it. That is so so cool. That definitely shifted. I love working with teens because I can swear in front of them. Like little kids, you don't swear in front of them, but teens like... (laughs) It's it's so funny when we're like just getting to know them and they swear and then they like cover their mouths and they're like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, no, that's okay. Like swear, <laughs> swear it out. Do what you got to do. I love that. I don't have too much experience working with people with autism spectrum disorder. I know a little bit about it, but obviously you guys, that's that's your niche. Like that's where you you started. That's where you know the most about. So can you just share a little bit about what that's like, how that's different than working um, with people who aren't struggling with that. Can you just talk a little bit more about it? Because it fascinates me because I don't, I don't do that all the time. 
I would say one, one big difference is sort of the type of work you're doing. I feel like a lot of times if somebody is reaching out with a child with autism spectrum disorder, they're looking for behavioral help. That's not to say it's always, but a lot of times that is why they're reaching out, either that or severe anxiety, which then gets tricky because a lot of times anxiety overlaps with somebody with autism, autism spectrum disorder. Anxiety is sort of part of their personality. So it gets really tricky in trying to help that. You, you know, you don't cure autism and a lot of the symptoms of autism look like anxiety. So it's tricky. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Andrea. Like there, some of the perseveration that you would see in like an anxiety disorder sometimes is more like characteristic of just like somebody with autism in their personality. So do you feel like you do a lot of behavioral interventions? And by behavioral interventions, I mean, you know, talking about like socialization and different. Yeah, I think there's a lot more overlap with the parents and them seeking support for themselves. Do you feel also. like that's a big part of what you're doing? I think with kids in general, we find ourselves having conversations with parents where we're like, are we the child's counselor or the parent's counselor? Now I'm just confused what's going, you know? So it's like, it gets a little tricky there. I admire both of you so much because I struggle with patience with parents sometimes when I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's like we, we love it so much sometimes, and then other times it's definitely, it could be one of those barriers. So you mentioned, um, Andrea, you said a, a minute ago that there's no cure for autism. So what, like sharing with people who don't know that much about it, like what is the, what is the end goal, right? Like what are your, I know it's different for every person, but it's scary when we hear like there's no cure, you'll have this forever, right? What are some of the, the long-term goals, I guess? I think just integrating the person you're working with, helping them integrate themselves into the community. Usually, if somebody with autism is seeking therapy, they're probably pretty high functioning, only because if not, it would be hard to communicate back and forth with the therapist. But ultimately, I would say, you know, trying to help that person with skills to one day get a job and just live their lives as normally, then I hate that word, but just in the community with everybody else and not, I think a lot of people think autism is some big bad thing when really it's, it's the characteristics of the person. It's not some bad disorder. It's this is who the person is. So helping them use their strengths to integrate them into the community, into the community with everybody else. Oh my gosh. I love that. I, I love that you said people think it's this like big bad thing because it, it's not. And we think that, right? We do think that. And I imagine that for a lot of people, there's a lot of strengths that you or I may not have that they do have. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I think too, going off of what you said earlier, Mary Ellen, the whole concept of like 
being diagnosed with autism. Like, you know, as licensed mental health counselors, we don't diagnose. But sometimes people come to us after they have received that diagnosis, whether it's the individual or the family members. And it's kind of processing through that with them. Like, okay, what does this diagnosis mean to you? You know, and, and some people, some people in, enjoy actually like talking about their autism and what it means to them. And some people need a little bit more support finding out what it means to them. That's incredible because I wasn't even thinking about that. But like, I imagine you get a lot of, I'm not a parent and I can't imagine what it would be like to be a parent. And then you get this diagnosis. That's terrifying. What are some of the biggest like stigmas with it that you absolutely hate and want to like set the record straight for? (laughs) With autism specifically, every individual autism is different. Like, there's this like stereotype that all individuals who have autism spectrum disorder are the same. That is so not true. Sure, they may share similar characteristics and things like that, but they all are so unique. So that's that's definitely a huge stigma is that like, oh, they have autism. They must be, I don't know, like the character from Rain Man. Like it's just this like perception that people have that just isn't true when you actually get to know different individuals with the diagnosis. I love that. I love that. Okay, so what do you feel now that, because prior to opening uh, Peace Project, you were in an OPWDD clinic. So now that you're like a little bit more general, for all of you who don't know, we're all licensed mental health counselors. We're given a license by New York State Office of Professions, and the Office of Professions is very overloaded and has a lot to do and is kind of a nightmare to work with. <laughs> any any person with a professional license, I am sure, is listening to this being like, yep. <laughs> I actually had to renew My license renewal was up, and I had to renew it. But then I never got like a confirmation that it was renewed. So I was like on hold trying to be like, is this actually renewed? Like, is it what's going on? Oh my gosh, it's renewed. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) Well, that's good at least. I don't even think I'd call. I'd be like, let's just hope. I can't, can't do it without. Yeah, it was, it was some tough times. So I feel like (laughs) that name is just like engraved in my head now. (laughs) Like, oh, I have to call the Office of Professions. (laughs) Oh, nobody wants to do that. I don't think the Office of Professions wants to call the Office of Professions. They don't. They don't. You don't think? They're so nice there, though. (laughs) Sorry. So you're in a setting now where you're working with people on the autism spectrum disorder, but you're also working with different mental health disorders and things like that. What are the biggest barriers that you see? Like, what are part of the reason I started this podcast is because... I go on Instagram, I turn on the TV, all these things are happening and they're like, there's so much stigma, there's so much like pseudoscience and like psychobabble, like wrong information going on and it drives me nuts. So I was like, let me talk about it on a podcast. Um, So like, what are some of those things for you that you're like, oh, this is so frustrating. This is such a barrier. I'm sure you've experienced those things. I think... For me personally, it would be especially working with younger kids or even even young teens. When parents get involved, they think that there's a quick fix. And they will literally email me after the first session and be like, okay, so are they better? 
okay, so, and I'm like, what? Like, do you understand the first session? We literally just get to know each other. Like when you end a first session and you feel like you didn't do anything because you're literally just getting to know the person in front of you. But I've, I've had parents straight up ask me like, okay, how do we, how do we get this out of them? Okay. Are, are they all better now? How many, how many, Cassandra, this is one of your favorites. How many sessions is it going to take? <gasps> And we're like, okay. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is getting that question the first time we speak to someone. And and it's not their fault because they, they don't know, you know. And I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea how many sessions this is going to take. Like, sure, there's, there's different forms of therapy that are more focused on, like, short-term goals and things like that. However, especially if I haven't even met the client yet, I have no freaking clue. It's a process. <laughs> I'm sure you guys get questions like this all the time because I primarily work with adults, so I don't get this as much. Um, but even recently, this past week, I had someone reach out to me and say, how how do I get my son or daughter um, to, I don't even remember if it was a son or daughter because I never met them. How do I get my son or daughter to want to come to therapy? And I was like, uh, what's your name? <laughs> what? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Again, though, hi, maybe that's a question for your therapist, ma'am or sir. Like, <laughs> there's such an overlap. Do you know, do you, this is one of my biggest pet peeves that I experience, and I want to know if you experience that and what you do about it. I have often experienced in the past when I've previously worked with kids, I've experienced the kind of thing where like a parent comes in and they say to the kid, like, okay, tell Mary Ellen what you did. Like, they're like getting them in trouble with me. And I'm like, what? Huh? Like, what? <laughs> Do you have that? Do you experience that? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've had younger clients telling me stories. They may be inappropriate stories about what their parents were doing. Not in a, like, you know, they'll be talking about their parents drinking or something and the parent will be walking by in the background and be like, how could you, blah, blah, blah. Like, basically stop telling your therapist that they're just going to get us in trouble. Like, I think parents think that I'm in session to try to get them in trouble for anything. I hear it constantly. And I'm like, I really, unless you're setting fire to your kid, I really don't care that you guys are playing beer pong or you guys are playing flip cup, you know, whatever on 4th of July. Like, don't care. <laughs> but that to me is more so what I'm experiencing. Like, oh yeah, they're having these private talks with me. And then you hear the parent in the background, that, that didn't happen. And I'm like, okay, all right. Which sometimes is beneficial though, because I also can't tell you how many times I've had a kid tell me a story for a 50 minute session. And then the session ends and I find out none of that ever happened. <laughs> like, what? Yes, how do you handle that? Cause it drives me. I'm going to be honest with you. I struggle to be professional when that happens. I'm like, look, I'm not, I'm not the principal. Like you're not like sending your kids to the principal's office here. <laughs> it drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, I think we definitely experience that to some extent. I think with telehealth right now, because we're, we're strictly telehealth, I think that's a little, we're experiencing that a little bit more than we normally would because, you know, mom might not be in the session, but mom or dad or whomever might be in the other room. You know, and they might peek in and be like, oh, hey, you didn't tell her about this yet, you know. <laughs> yeah, so usually I kind of put it back on the child or the, the client that's in session. Like, 
there's been a few times where I've, where I've actually asked, like, okay, would you like to continue the session? Like, just you and I, you know, just to kind of throw it out there. Like, you want mom or dad or whomever else to, like, go somewhere else for a little while, you know, um, and just get their perspective on it. Because sometimes they will kind of look at them and be like, yeah, like, get get out of here, you know. But the thing is, like you guys had mentioned before, we we need the the guardians, the parents, like we we need them and we value their input so, so much. It's just difficult sometimes to try to find that balance. Well, and it's hard because I get it from the parent's perspective, right? You want to make sure the kid is being honest. You want to make sure like, okay, did you tell them about this incident or oh my gosh, like, don't judge me that I'm playing beer pong or like whatever it is. Like, I get that. But then I feel like it puts us in an awkward position where it's like, okay, you know, I never want a kid to come to me and be like embarrassed to tell me an incident that happened, right? I want to create a safe environment. How do you guys handle that? (laughs) Like, really? So I know, because I don't know how to do it. (laughs) I think a lot of times we'll email parents and we'll give them tools in terms of this is what we're working on in therapy. It might help if you implement this at home too. So it's like an across the board type thing. I try to steer clear of ever being like, stop doing this or start doing this. Cause you know, that's not, it's not going to go over well, but I do typically email and just sort of like, here's some tools we're working on. You know, I might send them some handouts or something. Yeah. Be like, if you want to print this out and work on it at home, just, to make it more so like it's a collaborative effort and then maybe they'll stop doing the things they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. (laughs) A few minutes ago, we were talking about like parents wanting a quick fix or how many sessions will this take? Do you feel like that's hard to, you know, sit down and say, okay, parents, these are the changes that you can make because that's, I don't think any parent wants to hear that, right? Like kind of going back to autism spectrum disorder, like I'm sure with that parents, immediately feel, you know, they hear a diagnosis and they're like, how do I handle my kid? And it's like, well, you've been handling your kid. You've been parenting them. You know, (laughs) you know your kid. Yes. And there's an element of guilt there for some reason, which obviously it's nobody's fault when, you know, a diagnosis is given. And it's also not, again, a bad thing, but there's always that, you know, uh, uh, my kid has what? And like almost a hopeless feeling is what the parents tell us. And then the guilt, which yeah, that's got to just suck. Seriously. Yeah. That's so, so hard. Along with like letting people know that there's like no quick fix. What is like the biggest misconception that you want to change with the world around mental health, around developmental disabilities, around anything? <laughs> Both of their eyes got wide. It's just how you just pick one. Seriously, I just want people to talk more. Like, stop showing me your shiny, perfect life and show me when you're huddled in a corner, bawling your eyes out with anxiety. You know, it's like people can relate to that. It happens to all of us. Sure. Yes. I think too, there's, there's an element of like empowering the parents too, because you know, them just reaching out alone for services for their child has to be freaking hard. And just reminding them like, listen, like, sure, we are licensed mental health counselors, right? We went to school, we have the education, we do this, we love it. But you're the expert in, in your loved one. Like you're the expert, you know, and just kind of giving them that sense of empowerment. So they don't feel like everything they're doing is wrong. Well, and I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but thankfully the the stigma around mental health is is getting 
slightly better, but there's still what I see the most is people who aren't mental health counselors or aren't in the field say, oh my gosh, there's no stigma around mental health. Mental health is really, really important. And then I say, okay, are you in therapy? And they say, well, no, why would I go to therapy? And I'm like, because ah! mental health exactly. is really important. What are your, I didn't even tell you I was going to ask you this, so if you don't have an answer, that's fine. Um, But like with Peace Project, like what what do you guys like hope to see? Because you're still really, really new. So this is all like exciting. I mean, I think we can start with being in person. (laughs) We were so excited to be in person. Our goal was September. And then this Delta shit happened. And we're like, is it, I mean, we're going to go get a place. And then we're going to get closed and then we're going to be paying for a place that we just opened and we're just not. Yeah. yeah. So we're just in this limbo. But I think, I mean, I think that's like the first near future goal. It's a great goal. <laughs> yes. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, and, and we just did a post about this and like everyone has shit. Everyone. Like, and it's okay. It, it's okay. But we had to talk about it. <laughs> I love that. And two, I think like we've done a few things where we're doing different trainings with the community, different schools, um, even like restaurants and bars, things like that. Like that can help so much when we go back to talking about stigma, like just for it to be the norm, like, okay, we're going to have somebody come to this bar and talk to our employees about mental health. That's just groundbreaking. That should happen more. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. What do you do talks on? Just like the stigma, what it is, how to reach out, that kind of thing? Yeah, the stigma. um, Also giving tangible things on what you can do if you have a panic attack or an anxiety attack while you're at work. Because how often is that happening? Especially in those types of situations, those types of environments, like at a bar, how many employees are overworked, underpaid, you know, working their butts off behind a bar and they're surrounded by alcohol all day, every day. And, you know, that transpires into all different kinds of concerns. And then we have anxiety and all this stuff on top of it. It's like, okay, well, what can you do in the moment to get yourself through that shift, to get yourself through that day? So just like giving some tangible advice to people that don't even realize they may need it. That's awesome. I think it's so important. And again, I think that, you know, we're in an age where everything's at our fingertips, right? And so I think so often people, and I've talked to clients about this, and I've talked to people in my personal life about this, where, you know, they Google, like, what do you do for a panic attack? And things come up, deep breathe and take a walk and all this stuff that's good, but like without the context, that's not actually helping anything, you know? So I, I do think it's great that we can provide the context to actually make those things work for us rather than against us. So where can people find you guys? They can find us at our website. They can find us on Instagram. Um, definitely very active on Instagram lately. So Peace Project underscore LMHC. Love it. I love it. Do you feel like you get a lot of people like sending you messages being like, hey, what did this mean? Or, hey, I relate to this. Things like that. Lately, yeah, definitely, definitely seen an, yeah, an increase lately for sure of people reaching out and messaging. And we talk about it. That's something that we always want to be able to like provide them that feedback. You know, we might not necessarily get to it right away or that day, but we 
want to be the source that can actually like respond to these these messages and these questions that people have. Absolutely, because I think that like it's a I mean maybe this just shows my age, but like it's a scary thing to like pick up the phone and like call someone, right? But being able to like comment and be like I totally relate to this. What do I do? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a little bit less scary and that's awesome. Yeah, you'll yeah. see like uh, you'll see us like individually commenting on our peace project posts because it just makes it more normal like hey, we're therapists and like we got this crap going on too. Like we get it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like we're not as much as people want us to have the quick fix. Like there is no quick fix. There's like, no magic wand. We know what it is, too. Ugh. So the best place to reach you is um, on Instagram, Peace Project LMHC. Peace Project underscore LMHC. Yep. Underscore. And the, I forgot the underscore. I'll put it in the show notes. And then the website okay. is Peace Project. Dot life. Dot life. Dot life. Oh. Okay. So dramatic. Chills. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me excited. <laughs> One of the last things I'll ask you, as you know, this podcast is called OK-ish because I am very, very much focused on it's not going to be perfect. It's OK that it's not perfect. Like, yes, we want to we want to be great, but like most of the time we're going to be OK-ish and that's fine. And so how do you share that similar message with others? One of our slogans or something we like to say is let us meet you where you're at. Because we don't want everybody to, our expectation is not to fix people, is not to make people be where we think they should be or where they think they should be. It's to make them happy with where they're at. So if that's not what they're dreaming of, I don't even know how to put it into words. We want them to realize that they're okay to be where they're at and just to be happy with that. Content. Absolutely. How can people be happy with that? Like, well, yeah, we want to improve. We want to learn. We want to grow. But like, I think it's so, I think so often people think once this happens, I'll be happy. Like once I get this anxiety under control, exactly. I'll be happy. And it's like, well, you can be happy now. <laughs> exactly. So not to like give up on dreams and give up on hopes and just like stay stagnant for the rest of your life. But to, with each step, it's a process. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Now I sound like Buddha, Ooh, but you know what I mean. Fancy. <laughs> I'm going to put you on a billboard. I just compared myself to Buddha. There's that. <laughs> but I, oh I think God. that is true because I, I have gotten a backlash of people being like, you know, Mary Ellen, like you want people to be okay-ish, but don't you want them to reach their goals? And it's like, well, yeah, but part of life is having bad feelings, <laughs> having negative emotions or hard, like that's just part of life. So that's an absolutely unrealistic goal is to not have that. Love it. And you're going to get backlash no matter what your podcast is called or yes. no matter what you tell people you... <laughs> So it's kind of like, you do you. <laughs> right? That's where we got to all meet each other where we're at. I like that. Look at that. <laughs> and being okay-ish with where we're at. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank 
you so much for coming on today. Everyone, please go follow them on Instagram, peaceproject underscore LMHC. Check out their website, peaceproject.life. Um, Andrea and Cassandra, thank you so much. This is awesome. I, I'm so Thanks excited. Thanks for having us, Mary And I'm Ellen. so excited you guys opened your business during COVID, and it's just going so well. <laughs> Thanks for having us. This is fun. <laughs> Disclaimer. This podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.